in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touchy suckers like the fucking players. Some late night news uh, from Wednesday: The Rebels UNLV basketball landed six foot six wing uh, wing Shane Noel from Arizona out of the portal. The brother of Minnesota Timberwolves guard Jalen Noel, Shane played nineteen games for the Wildcats. Four star recruit in high school has three years of eligibility left. We talked about this where Kevin Kruger had two scholarships left. They said they weren't in a rush, but I guess when you get a six six kid from Arizona, you might consider it. Yeah, we were on Cofield and Company earlier in the week, and Barrett Peary, one of the new assistant coaches for UNLV, came on and said, yeah, we probably will have something to talk about in the next couple of days, and here is that news. Yeah, look, right now, if you're Kevin Kruger and you have all of these opportunities in the transfer portal, you just need to take as many shots as possible. Right, right. Uh, maybe one or two of these guys becomes something that you can build around. And a you know, four-star recruit out of high school, number 84, uh, recruit just a year ago he fits the mold of what we've seen Kevin Kruger go after before right guys from high major programs who didn't get a lot of playing time well and isn't it important he has three years of eligibility left all these kind of one-year guys they get from the portal that and I know they got the high school kid to also kind of send kids with more eligibility than just one year it is, but I don't know that I would necessarily meet, think that that means the kid will be here for a year or two years or three years. Right, you I, I that's a great can, point. You never you know. say that, right? Like, And I'm going to go back to the conversation we had with uh, with Barrett Peary where I said to him, how has recruiting changed? How hard is it now? Because you can't get a guy and say, oh, well, you know, he needs to work on his shooting. He needs to work on his defense. And by his second or third year, we'll be able to turn him into the kind of player that we think right. we can. He said, yeah, I would say all of that, and then I would add to it, if he doesn't play in his first year, he's leaving. Next question. Sylvia Foles, Sue Bird, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart named captains for the WNBA All-Star Game on July 10th. Also starting would be Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young from the Aces. This is the first All-Star selection for former number one picks Young and Plum. Fans accounted for 50% of the vote for starters, while NBA, WNBA players and media accounted for 25%. Wilson was the leader in fan voting, followed by Stewart. This is good for them, right? I mean, this this. I mean, if you're the best team, victors go the spoils. Uh, they get they get three starters on this. Absolutely, huge news for the Aces. And you know what? I go back to our conversation with Sam, and I have a question to, to to throw back to you. It feels to me like we're talking about the WNBA and the Aces differently than we have in the past, right? Yeah. Like we're we're giving it the mainstream treatment in a way that we haven't in the past, and that that's on all of us. That's you know, it's, it's but it's also something where I think the interest has grown in such a way where we can talk about it that way, right? I feel like especially with the way the Aces have performed this year here in Las Vegas, uh, interest in the WNBA is on a, a different level. Well, and don't you think it's the way they play? Um, and look, I mean, Lambeer had a lot of success. They didn't win it with him. We know how he played with the bigs. And now Hammond comes in, you know, Five out, none in. Four out, one in. They're stretching the floor. They're shooting a bunch of threes. I think even the crowd, and you know the WNBA crowd who goes on a consistent basis, the five thousand people, if they've been there the last few years, really like this style of play. And I think that's why we all got excited about it in the beginning. We continue to kind of talk about it. It is. I agree with you. I agree that the style of play makes a huge, huge difference. And I think what you're getting to see is you're getting to see some of the same players who were here 
right, but right. what they really can do. And you get to really see the superstar levels that a Chelsea Gray and a Kelsey Plum can reach and uh, Jack Young as well. And that's where you're getting these all-star nods out of, right? These players didn't all of a sudden become that much better. They just kind of had the shackles thrown off. And we've heard Kelsey Plum talk about, uh, in very colorful terms, right. not wanting yes. to be the sixth, yes. pro- sixth player anymore. She's not afraid to say what she uh, thinks. I love that. Nope. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry, I just got to <laughs> Blue Jays hitting coach Guillermo Martinez ejected during lineup card exchange before the game. I thought of you right away as the official. Martinez confronted home plate umpire Doug Eddings about questionable officiating decisions made during the previous day's game. He went out there, gave the card. You saw a kind of confrontation. He was tossed quickly. Uh, As an official, have you ever thrown anyone out before a game, and what would they have to do for you to do that? Man, it would take a lot to toss somebody pre-game i mean i've definitely <laughs> issued a warning pre-game oh have like, you what, what happened there well it's a sort of situation where you're going and you're meeting both coaches before the game right right you know co- college officials we walk over say hi yeah uh, if they start up with you about the last game you had with them then you might be in the position to just say to them hey that's as much as i'm going to hear about that right. right like today is a different day that game's in the past, and that's as much as I want to hear about the last game, right? And that's what we got into here with Doug Eddings, right? Uh, Guillermo Martinez and the Blue Jays. Uh, amazingly, they were upset that Doug Eddings, I mean, 28 missed calls in a single game oh. at home plate. 28 missed calls. His ball strike accuracy was under 70% Under in the game. 70%? Under 70%. He got less than 7 out of oh. every 10 strike calls right. So I would say if I'm the Blue Jays hitting coach, that is 100% a worthwhile ejection. Like He went out there to hand out the lineup card full well knowing that he was going to get himself run. And right. I think that's probably smart for the players because it took the onus off them to go up there and say anything to Doug Eddings during the game. Not that he's at home plate, of course, but to anyone in the umpire. That might have been decided the night before. It's like, but don't worry, I'll bring the card out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm I'm going to go out there and bring the card out. I'm taking the hit for all of us here, but we'll, we'll make clear that we know what happened. Man, you know, that's a great question. The day after Houston Astros outfielder Jose Siri called his bat flip home run celebration against the Mets an air, he seemingly backtracked Wednesday with a profane tweet that was later deleted while not addressing the incident directly. Siri's tweet... Bleeping bad opinions have fun. It was quickly deleted before Wednesday's game. They're up 7-2 uh, in the 8th. He was in an 0-for-10 slump, hit the uh, hit the homer to the train tracks, and he watched it and flipped that bat. He should have run, Dusty Baker's manager said after the game. Back in our day, the next guy would get drilled. What do you think about that? Next guy gets drilled? Is that is that okay if you're behind the plate? Two things. One, no. We need to end all of this regressive hit-the-next-guy Use vigilante get off my justice lawn, guy. to penalize guys having fun. Get off my lawn! No, you you can you hit a home run against me. You can you can stay on my lawn. You can dig up my lawn. You can plant <laughs> your own flowers there. You can watch them grow. You can fertilize them and say to me, "I'm not leaving until they grow." Uh, you can do whatever you want uh, when it comes to celebrating. But the other side of this, Ed, I for one, and I don't know if you can see me clutching my pearls right now. I cannot believe that a Houston Astros player did something objectionable that people were upset about. Oh, I just can't believe that there can't was believe. attitude coming out of the Houston organization. Bischoff would be shocked. I know. Oh, oh he would be in here celebrating. Oh, he'd be uh, have the hands Jose above Siri. his Jose head. Jose Siri would be his new favorite. He'd already have bought the jersey and would yes. be wearing it to Pumping the studio. Pumping his chest. 
Showalter, after the game, Buck, Wal- Buck Showalter, the Mets manager, I thought this was interesting. There are certain things you can do right and wrong, but you don't want to impose the way you were brought up in the game. Like I said, hey, guys, you're supposed to be mad at that. The way you keep it from happening, don't let them hit the ball over the fence, too. So Showalter kind of took the uh, middle ground there. And Buck Showalter is as old school as they come when right. it comes to baseball guys, but he's also one of the smartest men in baseball, and he can appreciate the fact that the game has changed. Great question. Thank you. Former National Player of the Year Jimmer Fredette and potential top 10 NBA draft picks Asur and Amin Thompson headlined the 2022 field for the basketball tournament. 64-team TBD bracket, which released Wednesday, features a record 71 players with any NBA experience. For the first time in the history, you'll have games played outdoors, one being a regional and historic Rucker Park in New York City. Um, you ever play at Rucker Park? If I tried to play at Rucker Park... I mean, did you Park, ever just go shoot around? Uh, no, no, sir. No, 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 no. No, no. My level of skill would be denied at the door at, uh, at Rucker Park. Gosh, I'd love to go there and see that, though, on a daily basis. Oh. To explain, I mean, it's, it's historic. Are there games all day? Is it just at night uh, with the lights? I mean, what... What's Rucker Park like, I mean, do you think, in a, in a normal day? Can you probably find games at any time? Uh, you know, I would be over my skis to tell you what it looks like 24 hours a day, but I, I mean, we know that some of the most iconic streetball games that we've ever seen have been played at the Rucker, and guys who come up in New York, uh, that's a test for them, right? That's a, a rite of passage for a lot of guys who are coming through New York, and quite honestly, Jimmer at Rucker is something I am signing up for. I, I want all of that. The, I'm going to sound like the old guy for a second here. I, I remember going to those UNLV BYU games right. when, when Jimmer Me was too. here. That arena was electric. Those games were fantastic. And watching him perform at that level was unbelievable. I mean, we all kind of knew it wasn't going to translate at the next level. But for what it was in college, Ed, those games were awesome. Oh, they were awesome. The, the Mountain West tournament, um, when he played whether it's UNLV or San Diego State, those games were incredible. I saw, I was at the game in San Diego when I think one of them was two in the country, one of them was three, and he just went crazy. I don't know if it was 35, 40. I mean, he just went absolutely crazy. The game was on CBS. When he had it going, I mean, you're talking Steph Curry step step across uh, half court and let it fly. He, he, he was an amazing college player. I'm not surprised completely he didn't translate to the NBA. Uh and I'm not comparing him to Steph in any manner, in any way. Um, but, you know, defensively, he wasn't great. Uh, but shooting-wise, I wanted him to translate more at him because I would have loved to seen him play 10 years. I just loved I loved watching him play. Yeah, he just didn't have half the ability of most NBA players no. to get his own shot, right? Yeah, like, right. The handle wasn't there. The, the strength wasn't there. But what he did in college, that shouldn't diminish any of what he did at BYU. He's one of the all-timers in the Mountain West. That's a great, great question. The NFL on Tuesday filed a motion in federal court to compel Brian Flores' class action lawsuit against the league and several teams in which he and two other coaches alleged racial discrimination in its hiring practice to arbitration. Uh, This, I assume, is the best thing for the league just to get to arbitration. Oh, of course they want it in arbitration. They don't want an open trial. They don't want discovery that everybody could potentially see. They want to keep this as quiet as possible. they, they, They don't want the Flores suit out in the light look they're embarrassed enough by the belichick text exchange that goes along with all of this they're they don't want anything more revealed right now and ed they they can't handle any more being revealed right now off the back of both deshaun watson and what's going on with daniel snyder getting subpoenaed to talk in front of congress next question 
Uh, sad, sad day for the Ravens yesterday. First, we'll say Baltimore Ravens outside linebacker Jalen Ferguson died at age 26. Uh, Baltimore police responded to a home in the northern district of the city where they found Ferguson unresponsive and being treated by medics. He never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead at the scene. 26 years old. I don't. We're, we're getting too many of these a day, by the way. Uh, the, the previous day, Caleb Swanigan, uh, I think he was 25. This is a, we, we, we need to go a day without having any of these. No, and what a day for the Ravens as well with Tony Siragusa. Tony Siragusa. Uh, I was going to yeah, 55 years well, old. At 55, uh, young in his own right. And I'm not going to talk as much about Jalen Ferguson just because I didn't know his story as much, but Tony Siragusa was one of those guys who just made football more fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching him even when he was wrecking the Giants in the Super Bowl. Like the, Tony Siragusa on those Fox broadcasts was a blast, right? He was just someone who seemed to enjoy being out there and being goose and uh, you know, football's a little less bright without him there. Next question. Uh, I've got to tell you this. Uh, Trumpet, a bloodhound, won the best in, we- best in show Westminster. Have you seen the movie Best in Show? Oh, oh that is one of my favorite how, movies of how, all time. How classic is that movie? Oh, that, that movie is absolutely outstanding. Uh, and, and I'm 100% behind the Norwich Terrier uh, winning in, <laughs> in Best of Show. Uh, and by the way, the Bloodhound beat, uh, beat the French Bulldog. I, I thought that was a, a Is that big an upset? Win. A big, well, I thought it was a win for the big boys, right? Big win for the uh, the old floppy bloodhound instead of the instead of the Frenchie. Right? The, the Frenchies kind of, you know, they're they're fun, they're small, sure. they're tough, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know, something fun about the big floppy bloodhound winning. Man, you know that's a great question. All right, we'll give a little uh, local shout out here. The top twenty five prep football play, uh, teams have been announced. Saint John Bosco. Uh, is number one, the alma mater, modern day. Can't believe they're number two. They've won a couple national championships in a row. Obviously, they're getting slighted. But Bishop Gorman, here we go, head coach Brent Browner. They were 12-1 and last year, final ranking of number 15. Here come the Gales at number six. I've been told they are stacked more than usual, which that's hard to believe, but they are getting all kinds of transfers in. And uh, I have two problems with this, modern day being number two, and maybe Gorman needing to be a little higher than six. But good for Gorman, yeah? Uh, full disclosure, uh, Bishop Gorman graduate. And, oh, okay. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. And, and no, 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 no. And I will t- nothing to apologize for. I, this is a story that I've told a lot of people to put in context. You accept Bishop Gorman, you know, high school football fan in Las Vegas as world superpower. I attended Gorman from 1992 to 1996. They did not make the zone playoffs once in football during that time. You were That's, downtown, yeah. Oh yeah, I was at the uh, I was at the downtown Gorman. They were a basketball power at the time, but the football team never even made the playoffs. That's how recent this superpower run has been for Gorman. Well, they are a superpower and number six this year. Modern day visits, the alma mater visits. You know, the last time the alma mater visited a couple years ago, I was covering um, a Faith Lutheran that game, Faith Lutheran uh, game that day. Um, Ed McCaffrey was the coach of the Colorado high school team. And it was funny because nothing was happening at the Faith Lutheran game, and there'd be huge cheers, like almost standing ovations. And I'm looking around, I'm like, you know, these Faith people, they seem to be nice people, but they're a little off kilter here because there's nothing happening to this damn game. They're standing up and cheering. And I asked the guy in the press box, I'm like, you know, I don't want to make fun of your fans, but what's happening here? He goes, oh, he goes, someone's got updates from Gorman. Modern Day's running them out of the field down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perhaps no one dislikes Gorman more than Faith. Yeah, no, that's, exactly. that's about right. That was yeah. beautiful. All right, when we come back, we get in the NFL, and yeah, you know who, Dan Snyder. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. 
Stay with us now. We'll have tickets to Morrissey here in this hour. Tickets to Morrissey coming up at 8.45. Darren Millard, Millsy Millard's here at 8.30. Miles Simmons on the NFL 9. Have a drink with J.R. Starkus at 9.30. Okay, uh, Dateline from the Capitol. Washington Commander's owner Daniel Snyder conducted a shadow investigation of allegations that he fostered a toxic work culture within his organization and worked closely with the NFL to monitor and ultimately bury the findings from an official internal investigation. According to findings of a Democratic-led U.S. House committee released Wednesday, the committee released a 29-page memo on his findings, supported by more than 600 pages of depositions. On the morning, Goodell was scheduled to testify. We heard Goodell coming back. lot to unpack here, but I'm not surprised at all. What would it take at this point to surprise you with About Daniel Dan Snyder, Ed? Yeah. Nothing. I, I don't know what it would be. Uh, the man is toxic. We know this. I, I could yell about this for five minutes and, and list examples, but I think the point is at this point, Roger Goodell earned his $50 million a year yesterday, right? He went up there and took all of the fire from Congress. The problem is you got to be at least a little bit believable, right? This whole idea of Roger Goodell as NFL, you know, crap taker, right? It, it goes only if you can have some level of believability. And when he says things like that, he thinks that they've addressed it meaningfully. And he talks about, oh, Dan Snyder stepped away from the organization for a year. Right. Because his wife became the team president. Right. Exactly. You know, just we don't buy it. We don't believe it. And I don't think that that is going to be enough for Daniel Snyder anymore. I don't know that with everything that we've seen, whether it's the sexual harassment problems over multiple investigations over multiple years, whether it's cooking the books over other revenue when it comes to the organization, I just wonder if there are going to be too many fires for Dan Snyder to put out this time. If Goodell is going to be the good soldier here in front of Congress, maybe eventually they find a way to force him out. Uh, Goodell was asked and questioned by uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan whether Goodell and the league are willing to do more to punish Snyder. I don't have the authority to remove him. He does not have the report, authority to remove him. Okay, so there's a, uh, like you said, an out as well uh, that he went right to. An NFL owner can be removed by only three-quarters, 25 to 32 majority vote of fellow owners, although Goodell does have the ability to officially recommend such a vote. Why wouldn't this guy at least recommend the vote? Because he knows what's in everyone's closet. There are 31 other owners that he needs to protect. And I guarantee you, Daniel Snyder is not the only NFL owner who has some really decrepit, ugly skeletons in his closet. And Roger Goodell knows where all those bodies are buried. And so he's not going to endanger his standing with other owners who could be subject to the same sort of investigation, right? He's not going to allow the league to take that sort of hit. It's the shield above all else. And that is defending the shield. Defending the shield, unfortunately for Roger Goodell, means defending Dan Snyder. Now, could the fellow owners who don't want their stuff come to light eventually find a way to say to Dan Snyder, we will let this trickle continue until you are completely bled out? Yeah, possibly. But I don't know how much Dan Snyder potentially has on the other owners because if he's scummy enough to do what he's done, he might be scummy enough to have dug up stuff on everybody else to make sure that they don't go against him. Uh, Snyder was invited to testify but declined citing overseas business commitments and concerns about due process. Committee Chair Carolyn Maloney of New York announced during the hearing she will subpoena him to comply 
to compel him to testify. The NFL is unwilling to, or unable to hold Mr. Snyder accountable, Maloney said. That is why I'm announcing now my intent to subpoena him for a deposition next week. The committee will not be deterred in its investigation of the Washington Commanders. Goodell told the committee that the team's culture had transformed as a result of an investigation led by attorney Beth Wilkinson and that Snyder has been held accountable. Boy, this guy... He, he he never ends. He, he he says all this stuff with a straight face. You have to give him credit in a weird sort of way. His his PR nonsense of saying this kind of stuff with a straight face is almost a talent. It's absolutely. It's not almost a talent. It is a talent. Roger Goodell can say all of these things, and we don't believe him. But we also know he's not going to crack. So you talk about what he just said—that a transformation of the workplace culture from the Beth Wilkinson report. How about the fact that nobody knows what's in the Beth Wilkinson report? Because well, you never do with what, the investigations. You never, ever do. And it was part of the deal that Dan Snyder negotiated in the first place. So, look, the league is going to protect the league first. This is We see this in politics all the time, right? Within a political party, someone does something awful, and you never hear everyone in the party come out and say, oh, you know what, we're done with that person. Because in the end... It's the party above the person. Well, it's the shield above all else for Roger Goodell. And we can try to transfer some of the blame away from Daniel Snyder to Roger Goodell. I guess he's just doing his job, though. Dan Snyder is the one who continues to deserve our scorn. And by the way, those overseas commitments that he had, Ed, uh, did you see the pictures floating around on the Internet of, of where those overseas commitments were? What, was he down in Foggy Bottom in D.C.? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, even better, uh, it wasn't Dan Snyder himself, but members of the uh, commander's <laughs> inner circle, members of the Snyder family, on a yacht in Khan. Oh, well, that's, that's tell you what, that's being committed. It's being committed to a nice uh, vacation. Hey, they had overseas commitments. It. They kept the overseas commitments. Uh, the subpoena might change that a little bit. You okay with Congress investigating an issue, for, according to uh, spokesman for Snyder, an issue with a football team addressed years ago? We have plenty of evidence that the workplace was not sufficiently changed, though, right? I mean, that's what those right. former employees have been out here saying is that this is awful. It's still awful. Um, and I think what we can see, Ed, is that whether we believe what we've heard out of the Wilkinson investigation, the little that we've heard, or anything else that we've heard come out of the commanders when it comes to the sexual harassment problems, uh, I don't think you need to look any farther than the John Gruden situation to ask more questions. Right. Because who was it who John Gruden was exchanging most of those messages he knows with? with? Yeah, exchanging them with George Allen. And that's you know part of the former Redskins, former WFT organization. There's so much smoke that I'm OK with Congress getting involved in what is a multi-billion dollar business of the NFL having a workplace that clearly hasn't been dealt with. Right. A workplace problem that has not been appropriately dealt with from all measures that we've seen we'll keep an eye on it there's more to come for sure on that case all right when we come back it's the one and only millsy millard moose you just keep on moose and this doesn't concern you maroon is not just a color this is the vgk update with darren millsy millard oh he does it all host of the gold knights broadcast co-host on the insider show host of the chirp there's nothing he can't do how are you millsy uh, I'm doing great because uh, I'm officially on uh, summer holiday for oh, nice. a couple of weeks uh, nice. back home on Prince Edward Island Oh, and uh, staring out uh, over the beautiful ocean. Really? You see Turk talking walking around to, there with the grandkids? Talking to Adam 
and talk. Uh, I have not talked to Shirk. Uh, we uh, anticipate seeing each other this weekend or next weekend. That'll be we beautiful. We have a couple of events that we uh, we do simultaneously. So, yeah, I always see I always see Turk. I always see Doug McLean, who's my neighbor, former coach and general manager and president in the NHL. We've got a we've got a hockey hotbed out here. It's beautiful. Give Turk our best. I will. Oh man, love Turk. Uh, so quickly. Um, Pete DeBoer is introduced in Dallas yesterday. He said a lot of interesting things. Uh, he was rattled at the firing. Uh, but yep. I, I thought it was interesting where he said, you know what? They're going to get a better coach than I was in Vegas. They're going to get a better coach than I was in San Jose. They're going to get a better coach than I was in New Jersey. Uh, your thoughts on that? And, and Pete DeBoer does seem like a guy who continues to uh, you know, admit that you can learn uh, even later in your career. But he says Dallas will get the best coach he's ever been. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, if you, if you think about it in... in like linear terms of going to a place, learning, getting experience, and uh, having a stumble and taking those mistakes and and working them into a positive. Absolutely, uh, Butch Cassidy said the same thing yeah. uh, when he left Boston, uh, almost verbatim uh, about uh, how he was uh, he made mistakes and he's going to learn from those mistakes and uh, and try to work them into a positive. So, uh, I, I, Pete, for sure. From his first coaching job in Florida, where he was wide-eyed, first professional uh, bench boss, to the one that was introduced in Dallas yesterday, has grown by leaps and bounds. Five trips to the to the Final Four, uh, and and also uh, coached over a thousand games. Yeah, I, I think that uh, if if you're not learning or taking something from what you've done, then you're probably not going to get more than two opportunities. Uh, that's that's my uh, take on it because you have to be able to absorb it. Darren, what do you think Pete DeBoer saying he was rattled about being let go says either to Bruce Cassidy or about what the expectations are for VGK management of its next head coach? Well, I, I don't want to do this exactly. Uh, follow up uh, this answer with the one that, that, that I gave Ed, but uh, Butch was rattled when, when he was let go by Boston. And and he admitted that he he told everybody that uh, he was uh, informed that he would be back next year, and then they uh, made a decision to go in another direction. Uh, so uh, I think it's uh, the fact that both guys were were confident in in what they were doing, and and thought that they uh, they were on the right path, either because they had uh, a team that was going in that direction or a team that was injured uh, in the Vegas Golden Knights side of it. Uh, but uh, but that's that's the way I would I would look at it is is both guys have extreme confidence now uh, when when you look back on it and and they reflect on it there's obviously uh, discussions that, that go through this process and you're informed of where uh, you probably didn't uh, satisfy uh, different needs then then you take that into consideration and what Pete said that he he should be a better coach next time what were you most impressed with with Bruce Cassidy. Uh, casualness, uh, energy, and desire to start the season right now. Uh, also, the the uh, the dialed in of the of the power play. The, the conversation that he had about the question regarding the man advantage went about two and a half minutes. His answer, and by the end of it, I was like, "Can we go out and run this now? Yeah. Can, can 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 we go out and do this?" Like his passion for uh, a certain aspect of the game, like that gone through and uh and his his excitement uh to get back at it 
was uh, followed up on his his news conference in Boston, where he said, "Like I, I, I'm, I want to coach again. I want to get back right now." And that was only two days after uh, the the public learned that he wouldn't be back with the Boston Bruins. Uh, so his his desire to go and get going right now, and his uh, his excitement and uh, passion again, uh, just uh, overwhelmed me. Uh, I, I was really impressed by that. Darren, I'm going to read you directly from a tweet from about an hour ago from Frank Saravalli. Quote, you can take Riley Smith off the top 50 UFA board. Sources say Smith and the Golden Knights have reached a verbal agreement to keep the winger with VGK on a contract extension. May not be immediately announced for offseason tagging slash cap considerations. And I think that's probably the, the question that immediately comes to mind. Uh, obviously, Riley Smith is an integral part of what VGK has done over the first five years. But it would seem that someone might have to go in order to to make that work with with Riley Smith, how do you see the Golden Knights managing not only Riley Smith, but you know whatever they have to do to keep this roster as close to together as possible this offseason? So let me get this straight. He hasn't signed, and we're already making room for him because he has signed, even though he hasn't signed. And we're talking about who has to go because he has, hasn't signed. Is that, is that what uh, Darren, the, Darren the you, you, understand, you of course understand that yeah, there's a know, pot. Know, there's a pot no, no. There's a pot in front of me, and yeah. <laughs> I am just going to stir it relentlessly because Tyler's not here to do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Now, I, I will say, uh, Frank and I are not exactly on the same page on a lot of things. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's a, a, a different uh, angle uh, to, to go about uh, our daily lives, and, uh, and I've been upfront with that with, uh, with Ed in the past, but this is one that I, that I hope he's absolutely right on uh, because I'm a big fan of Riley, and I think he's a heck of a player, and I, I would uh, uh, love to see him, him back with, uh, with, with the Golden Knights. Now, there are uh, cap situations uh, that, that play into this uh, regarding uh, if and when uh, Riley Smith will be re-signed. Uh, but uh, I don't get too far into uh, the, the weeds of it, and I'm not ducking your question, uh, Adam, but it's just uh, until I see exactly where all the dollars sort out, uh, because we've got some of these RFAs uh, to also uh, be resigned. Uh, I, I can't really speculate on if it's one player, is it two players, and to start uh, going down that path and, and, and talking about certain athletes wouldn't be fair to, to them, for sure, and would be uh, uh, off-base by me because I just wouldn't be able to give you the, the proper answer. But if Riley comes back, that's a win. Like, let's start there. That's a, that's a win for the Golden Knights, uh, given uh, his influence in that locker room and his ability to play and, uh, and uh, the different aspects of the game. Uh, before uh, anything else starts about, uh, about making room and, and having to move somebody out, uh, enjoy the fact that if Frank is right on this, and I hope he is, but if Frank is right on this, then I consider it uh, real progress. Oh, without without question, and let me put that uh, let me put that in an easier to answer way for you, Darren, than I did. Uh, what do you think it says about what the priorities will be this off season for the Golden Knights if Riley Smith truly is coming back? Well, give yourself a, a little bit uh, of wiggle rope, but I, I think there's also a desire to uh, to just have. Uh, 
an opportunity for this group to do what they were supposed to be able to do last year. I think if, if Riley Smith comes back, then you've seen a clear indication of the faith that they have in this group. Sure, there may be a athlete uh, and a contract that has to be moved, but you're making a conscious decision to try to keep the band together uh, as much as possible. Otherwise, you have, you have opportunity here to clear the, the five million dollars in cap space, and you uh, uh, by by not bringing uh, whatever Riley comes back with, but he made five million dollars last year. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, that's a pretty good indication of how I would view it. Is is they're gonna they're gonna give this uh, this group an opportunity to accomplish what they were prevented to do because of injury. If you were a member of Riley Smith's All Star softball team, what position would you play? Uh, okay, that's a good. What position do I want to play? Well, do you want to, and what position would you? Once I want to play shortstop or second. That's okay. what I want to. Uh, what position would I play? Bullpen door opener. <laughs> that's that's the, the the position that I would be put into uh, into operating and the role that I would play. Uh, I, I'm a, like I like playing the outfield. I, I do, but I'm. A, terrible person when it comes to, to tracking the ball like uh, I, I always run in too far and then I have to run back and when that ball comes at me at shortstop or, or second base and it's whistling like that I, I pull a bullfighter like you have not seen since uh, <laughs> the early days of Spain uh, getting out of the way of that thing so um, I, I'm a bit of a, a poor man's baseball player and I hit, and I, and when I hit, I'll tell you this because I used to play uh, back in back in the day. Not not any highly competitive stuff, but I would hit it within two inches of first base every single time. Like they would put all five infielders over there. You'd be the ultimate shift. Was. Yeah, oh no, the 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 shift time is nine. Like I couldn't <laughs> even bunt it to the third baseline. I, I, all nine guys would be the pitcher would be chucking it from over at first base. Right, but Darren, but I, I, I think I think that's a good sign, though. Like Riley's doing this. That's guys that are on have one foot out the door aren't doing that. Right, quite frankly, right, right. So uh, I, I, without reading the tea leaves too much and putting too much stock into a softball game, I think that's a that's a really good sign. Uh, not to read too far into this, Darren, but uh, you just talked about in softball, you, you pulling the the old bullfighter and getting out of the way. I heard rumors you did that as a goaltender too. Oh yeah, no, nobody built confidence like I did. Like even <laughs> it could hit me in the chest, and it would somehow find a way to roll in. Like it's it's crazy how good I am at making sure that everybody feels good about themselves. And uh, I did that as a broadcaster. I did that as a teammate. I did that as a, as a practice school. I do that with you guys. Like I love being with you two. I I can't tell you how much. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Adam, I love it when you're filling in for Ed when Ed's ducking me. And Ed and I have a relationship that goes beyond explanation or description uh, in our bond. Like this, we should do this more often, the three of us. Well, I just want you to get Bruce Cassidy in one of those leagues where, like DeBoer, he can yell at children. <laughs> I'd like that to happen. It, it wasn't children. It was us <laughs> in a men's league. It was, and, and, and I will say this. The guy that he beat... Deserved it. 110% deserved it. So nobody, nobody was going like afraid to go over to Pete and say, hey, don't worry, he's just doing his best. The guy deserved it, and everybody was happy because we'd all said the same thing to him before. 
Well, children's a better story. Follow him on Twitter at Darren Millard. <laughs> Enjoy your vacation. Say hi to Turk and everyone for us. Uh, I will. I will pass that along for sure, Ed. Thank Take you. Care and yourself. Adam, good to talk to you, buddy. Take care, Darren. Well. See you, bye. There he is. Oh, he's a good guest. Darren Millard. All right. I almost felt badly, Ed. I, I felt a little that? badly. I felt like I, I, I put Darren in a box there uh, asking him about who's, who has to leave. No, I thought it was uh, a great question. Well, Knights. someone's going to have to leave. If, if they, I don't know if I don't. I, my guess is he didn't take a pay cut. So if he's coming back at five, you're exactly right. Who's leaving? Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, here we go. Tickets to Morrissey. Two tickets July 6th. July 6th excuse me. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Two tickets to Morrissey right now. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. Daniel is going to take caller number 11. 702-364-1100 to see Morrissey at the Coliseum. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Danny got you more Morrissey tickets. He ran out of this. He ran out of the studio because we're off tomorrow. No show tomorrow. We'll go national. Listen in. Uh, and he ran out of the studio to somebody. I think it was our our prize man Craig. And he said, "Hey, we're off tomorrow. Can we get two more tickets to Morrissey? Go ahead. Go ahead." So David won the first one. Am I? Uh, David won the first Morrissey tickets. We're happy for him. And at nine forty-five, we're going to give out two more Morrissey tickets to call Seaman on July sixth. So keep listening for that. Let me ask you something, buddy. Uh, given his contract situation and given the other contract situation where Gordon Hayward has three years left at about $61 million, uh left, if you swapped Russell Westbrook and Gordon Hayward today, would you take it? Only because of the Lakers' situation. I mean, otherwise, you're trading by far the more talented player in Russell Westbrook, even at this advanced stage of his career. But what we watched with the Lakers last year can't happen again. Right. It, it just can't. I, I'm not just talking about Anthony Davis being healthy. Uh, it didn't work, and I know Frank Vogel is gone, and maybe Darvin Ham can make the Russell Westbrook thing work, but from his initial quotes, it didn't sound like Darvin Ham is getting ready to kowtow to Russell Westbrook. So I think right now, if you're Rob Palenka, the Lakers GM, you probably just have to look and say, if there's a way out of this contract that we need to get out of it, I just don't know how you do it with the guy making 40 million a year. Uh, here's where this comes from. Uh, it apparently... Uh... There's a report that Michael Jordan is not uh, fired up about matching the offer sheets that uh, Miles Bridges is going to get, inevitably going to get, although that's a little strange given uh, his position and how he's only 23 years old, 20-point scorer forward, very athletic. But Charlotte has nearly $100 million committed to Terry Rozier over the next four years. Uh, Bridges is going to get a max offer. P.J. Washington's a year away. LaMelo Ball gets his own max in a few years, and if he continues to develop, it might hit a heftier 30% max um, uh level thanks to the Derrick Rose rule. So that's where Gordon Hayward comes in, desperate for the Hornets to shed money. They suggested a willingness to part with the number 15 overall pick in order to move off two years. Excuse me, I said it was three. Two more years at 61.6 total remaining on his deal. Um, if if it was if it happened, how do you think the fit is? He's a good player, but you're right, he's not Russell Westbrook. But maybe, given how we saw Russ play last year, maybe... Hayward's a different type of better player for them. Just I'm just thinking about the mix with LeBron and AD and the guys they have right now. Yeah, I think right now if you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, what you need is three point shooting. Period. You need to be able to space the floor, and you need someone who can consistently put the ball in the basket. Now, you know, Gordon Hayward's coming up on 32 years old. Uh, wow. His three point shooting declined last year. He was once in his past 10 years a 40% three-point shooter, but 
even the 35% three-point shooter is a lot better than what Russ gives right, you. Right. So, you know, in the end, I think what you have to do is you know what LeBron wants to do, right? LeBron is going to drive the lane and create opportunities. Anthony Davis is going to get his occasional post-ups and his ability to get to the rim. And both of those things require that they have someone to pass the ball to. And I think that's where Gordon Hayward could come in. Have I told you I was two feet when he launched a shot against Duke? Whoa. Yeah, I was right at, right at midcourt, and I was two feet from him. I mean, he came right to us on the right side and launched that shot. And I, I think it would have been one of the greatest endings in the history of sports if he beats Duke that way. But I wanted that guy to make that shot. And, it, and we as he let it go, we're right there. So it's on a line. Obviously, if, if everyone who watched it, it was on a line to make it for Butler, and he missed it. And I've told the story before, but I'm telling you, it would have been the greatest scene ever. We might not have even been able to talk to him after the game, although they probably would have made him talk to the media. But they had said, those kids had said, had they won that, they were taking the trophy and walking back through the streets of Indianapolis to their school. That would have been one of the coolest scenes, in my mind, in the history of, well, definitely in the history of college basketball. Forget about it. But if they would have done that, how cool would that have been seeing Butler, little Butler, take out take out uh, big-time Duke and on that kind of shot? I, Man, I wanted that to go in. I still do. And I, I say this only because you told me he's about to score. He's about to change 32. Real-life Jimmy Chitwood, right? Oh, like, God. Like, Absolutely, the Hoosier story come to life. What, all right, Ed, quick side side detour to this. What is the coolest sports moment you've covered? Oh, that's a great question. Man, I'm trying to think. Could it be just me at the at the uh, Great Wall eating uh, drinking Starbucks? Uh, oh, absolutely. It could. Okay. Yes, yeah. without question. I, I appreciate the fact that you made it about you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I appreciate the fact that you made it about you. No, um, uh, getting out of the cab at the Great Wall, just for, you know, being a tourist today, one of the days in the Beijing Olympics, and uh, and kind of looking around and noticing, I'm like, okay, that can't be right, right? That, that It can't be one of those. And it was, and I was just, I was perplexed and dumbfounded and, and very excited in all the same way. I mean, the only thing that could have been better is if that Starbucks were inside a Marriott at the Great Wall. Yes. <laughs> I would have gotten points there, too. When we come back, it's all NFL with the great Miles Simmons.